So we're in a concept right now, we're in a series right now called Living the Dream. Because God's put on the inside of each and every one of you, the Bible calls it eternity. It says it's on your heart. In, in each man, there's eternity in every man's heart. God put that in you. reason why that's in you is because that's what your destiny is. You were born for eternity, not born for earth dwelling only. You are, the Bible actually calls, once you're saved, you are an alien, a stranger. It actually calls you a citizen of another country. And when you're a citizen of another country, and another way it says, a citizen of another kingdom, you don't belong in the kingdom that we're living in. You're an alien. You're a stranger. What that means is this. Your culture of your kingdom is what you live by, even though we live in a different kingdom than what we're a part of. Does that make sense? There's a lot of people trying to get into the kingdom of God and they try to do it through religion. And the truth be told is they're illegal aliens sitting in church services today. But I'm just being honest. Can I go to a scripture and prove it? All right, let's go to the scripture. Tanya, I'm going to be all over with you. I tore my notes up and apart a while ago. <laughs> all right, we're going to go to the, that list of Matthews. Is that okay, Tanya? Can you stick with me? I want, to, I want to bring this up to you. Jesus went into detail teaching and what He taught. Starting in, You ain't got to go to this one, Tanya, but Matthew, we'll start in Matthew 18 where you went originally. But in Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus made His first statement in public ministry. And this is what He said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What that means is, because we've translated it out of Greek into English... What it means is, repent means to change one's mind, see it another way, turn direction from, go in another direction, is what repent means. Alright, so he's saying, change your mind about this thing that you've been thinking. Why? Why have they been thinking? For thousands of years, up to that point, you only got to get close to God through religion. You've got to understand this. That's what he's making a statement. Well, how did we get so far off base? Because in the Old Testament... We observe God from a distance as observers, and we worship God through religion and through discipline. When Jesus showed up, He said, now you're going to have to change the way you've been thinking about this. Because the game changes now. Now, no longer are you seeing God at a distance. Now, Jesus has come to walk among you. And so it says, God became flesh and walked among us. So we didn't see God as a distant scene, but we saw God right with us. And this is what God, Jesus said. He said, I'm here, and the first thing i got to deal with is the way you think about this thing. Because for thousands of years, you have served God and pleased God through obedience and through discipline. But now, God has come. And because now that God has come, the kingdom, everything that God was wanting to do from the garden, God now has done... And the kingdom of God now is at hand. It's available to you. thing about it is, if he didn't say the kingdom of God is what you're going to live. He said it's available for you to now live. Because if you keep living religiously like they did in the Old Testament, you will keep your relationship with God at a distance. But Jesus didn't keep distance anymore. He came so that we could personally 
have right standing with Him again. And when He was here, look at me, it says He showed, He did all the miracles and He showed what life could look like if we have right standing with God. When a man has right standing with God, their life should look like Jesus' life looked. What was the picture of Jesus' life? This was the picture of Jesus' life. I'm walking into the kingdom of darkness. And everywhere I go, I'm going to make a difference. That's the kingdom of God. Not that He's going to change this earth. He sent you here to change this earth back to what God designed it to be. In Genesis, it was the kingdom of God. He gave Adam rule over it. When sin entered in, suffering came. And now man gave over the rule and the reigning in the authority of this earth. Dominion is what the Bible calls it. And since then, the devil has been in control or in dominion of this earth. That's why we have people dying of cancer. That's why we have marriages ending in divorce. That's why we have suicide rates where they are. That's why we have people starving all over the world. Not because we don't serve a loving God. It's because we now are living in a fallen world. But God doesn't like it like that. God does not like His heart, His desires for nothing. He said, it is the will of God that none should perish. It is not God's will that your life be hard, be, be miserable. It's not God's desire that you be depressed and go through divorce. It's not God's desire, although He allows us to live in a world where that reigns, He put you here to change it. That's what He does. You are, the Bible says, an ambassador... And you are a representative. The word representative, when you break it down into definition, can be said like this. You are to represent what a relationship with God looks like in this life. Because religion is not it. Let me read some scriptures to you real quick. Can we go through that list of Matthews? I want to show you what I'm talking about and try to make it make sense. We're only going over one today. And then that being said... Uh, I'm going to have to put a stop to this series right now. I think I've taught you enough. Amen. <laughs> that you can. You ever. When I was in flight school, they would only let you take flight lessons for an hour because they said there's a certain amount of time your, main, your brain shuts off and quits absorbing information. And so they have to give you a 24 hour span for you to, to process what it is they taught you in that airplane. And so I used to say, give me two hours. And they wouldn't do it. Because you, so what we're going to do is next week we're jumping off this topic. I plan to revisit it back after Easter and go over the rest of the... There's 23 principles in the kingdom. These principles are super important because they are laws. Another way to say principles are laws. We don't like laws because laws can be broken or laws can be used against you. All right? But in these laws, the principle laws are only for you. They're only put there for your good. And out of the 23, if you understand them, your life will change to what God planned for your life to be. And not you just get up every day and survive. These principles are called kingdom principles. Now, this is a hard concept for people to get, especially those that were born in America, because we've never been under a king rule. We've always had and the president and a king are complete polar opposites of what they both are. That's why America has a president, because we left a king-ruled place that wasn't being ruled by good kings. And so people broke off from there to come here to worship how they wanted to. 
Does that make sense? And so they had to break out from under a king's rule that wouldn't allow free worship. And they came in and made America. But we didn't... So we they designed America to be opposite of what it was. So we didn't come under king rule. We came under uh, president or uh, elected rule. And the thing about Americans is if we don't like the way something's going, we can vote them out. That's why we... How many times you hear We'll just change it in the next election. The thing about kingdom is this. You don't get to change who's in charge. God is in charge. And the truth is this, in a kingdom, you don't want to change who's in charge. Because we have the best king of them all. You can tell the quality of a king by the level of its subjects' lives that they live. And I'm going to be honest with you, when God picked my life up, He hadn't done anything but made it good. My life has gotten so much better from where it was before I was serving in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, you say, well, Cricket, my life's not where I want it to be. Aren't you glad it's not where it was? Because if it would have stayed where it was, there's no telling where you would be now. But because we don't understand kingdom concepts, a lot of people get frustrated at the work in the kingdom. Where did I lay my phone? I know I had it in this last service. Oh, there it is. I've lost my keys too. <laughs> See, I want to read you a scripture. Is that okay if I read you a scripture? So you can kind of understand. And today's going to be a lot of teaching because it's our last one I'm taking. Next week I'm excited about. Next week, the Lord has laid on Sister Lovey's heart, said that you know what we need to do is get people ready. And man, I tell you, of all things I honor in this church, I honor gray hair. Because gray hair means you've been through a little bit more than I have. You've gone a little bit farther down the road and it means wisdom and glory is what it actually means. And when people in our church with gray hair say the Lord's telling us or leading us, I listen. And Sister Lovey told us that, I mean, fellow Lord said, we need to take time and um, bring it. So next week we're shifting it because we believe it's a word from the Lord. Is next week we're doing victory at the movies. So I'm shutting my series down. We'll start it back up in the spring on Kingdom. But next week we're doing a series, a movie called Sunday Morning uh, Rapture. I'm pumped about it because if I could teach and preach on Rapture all along, but if it doesn't become relevant for you, you won't understand it. And out of all, there's about 23 Rapture or the Return of the Lord movies out. And over the last week, if you've been involved with me at all, you know we've been ripping through them all, trying to find out which one. And Left Behind with Nicolas Cage. You remember it was the biggest one that came out in 17? Think about it. It, was, it just makes the rapture seem like a Hollywood stunt. The rapture's real. Amen. And the rapture's really coming. And when it comes, there's going to be families affected with it greatly. And the Bible tells us greatly how they will be affected. It says there will be two laying in a bed. One will be taken and the other left. Yeah. Well, in society, who sleeps together? Husbands and wives. They're going to tell me families are going to be broken through the rapture. This is two women are pressing grain together in the mill. One is taken and the other is left. That means there are people that you know that was representative of relationship. Friends, because the women would go gather. They could do that work at home, but they would do it together so that they could have community in their thing. So it says there will be one taken, one left. You've got friends in your life that are not ready to go if the Lord returns today. And the truth is this, they're going to be left. And then the Bible says this, it says there are two men working in a field. One will be taken, one will be left. That means there are people on your job 
that are not going to go in the rapture. thing about it is this, what do you do about it? Well, in, when Jesus laid that out, He put an emphasis on all those that will be taking need to let everybody know in their life before they are that they can go too. Amen? So that when someone's left, they won't be able to look at the Father one day and say, no one told me. Because the Father will say, I put them in your life. And you didn't listen to them. So we just want to make it easier for you this Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to do a movie. At 9 o'clock, we're having regular service. So if you want to come hear some good preaching, come at 9. Then at 10.30, we're going to have a concession stand just like at the movie theater set up outside. And we're going to do two songs. Then we're rolling right into Sunday Morning Revival. It's a movie that hits almost every genre of life. And it shows how the return of the Lord can affect those that are ready and will affect those that are not. All right, so life is real. We're going we're gonna to participate. So and we're also going to be giving away a $100 Stars movie cinema ticket next Sunday to the person or the family that brings the most members with them to uh, watch this movie. We want to pay for you to go see a holiday movie at Star Cinema over the next little bit, all right? So when you bring visitors with you next week, register them. We want to be able to give that out. We're going to have popcorn, Coke, root beer, candy, all the movie fixings out there. And uh, we're going to come in. There's going to be the, we'll do two songs. We're going to do the um, movie, and then we're going to do an altar call. And I want to encourage you, if you come here with family members that you know aren't saved, and they're going to make a move in the altar call, I want to encourage you to make a move with them. Don't make anybody make a move on their own. Because this is probably one of the most important moves anyone can make. This move has the power to change their marriage, change their job, change their health change their sobriety. This move has the power to change all other moves in their life. It's an important move. So I want to ask you to do me a favor. Get everybody you can. I won't even be here. As a matter of fact, I got a call uh, last night at 11. Pastor Jerry's got to get to Florida this week because of the hurricane damage that's happened down there. He's got to go and do some um, signing off on things there. So I'm actually, they put me in camp. I was excited about seeing the movie with you, but I got called last night and said, I'll be at Camden, but Pastor Maurice will be preaching the early service. And then, don't you believe we've got a solid enough team that can run a movie afterwards and be a great experience. So, Pastor Jerry will be doing our altar call at the end. And so, if you've got family members, co-workers, or you've got friends that are not saved, that you know are saved, or if you would know that would go in the rapture if he came back, you need to get them here. And we're going to make sure they know. Amen? Amen. It's coming up this week. All right, pray guys. So, that's, and so, today's the last one I got, so we're going to go over some kingdom principles. Principles are laws that make the kingdom work. Alright, you got to know that principles are laws that make the kingdom work. Last, two weeks ago, we talked about the principle or the law of forgiveness. A lot of believers or a lot of Christians go through the motions of asking Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, but they don't move into forgiving the people that have done them wrong. And I'm here to tell you very clearly that if you can't forgive, the principle in the kingdom is God can't forgive you. These principles are keys. Just like keys to my truck, keys to your house, keys access, unlock, protect, and open things up. If there are things in your life that are not open, but they're locked, because the devil wants to lock blessings up from you, the devil wants to keep you from moving into healing And move into freedom. And one of the ways he does that, keeps you locked up, is through bitterness, unforgiveness. The principle, the key to it is, you forgive others. 
And it positions you in a place for God to forgive you and heal you and move you forward. All right, we talked about that two weeks ago, forgiveness. Last week, we talked about the principle of suffering. This is not a fun principle, but the truth is, this is a principle all of us know all too well. We've all been through some hell and back. thing about it is, those that went through the hell with Jesus or with God, they came through it and it was good for them. Those that went through it without God came through it and they lost. God... In the kingdom of God, anytime you go through suffering, the principle, the law is that it's only a matter of time before it becomes for your good. So if you're suffering today, the principle is just hold on. Weeping may last for a night, but joy will come. This is what it says. It says, don't grow weary in well-doing. This is what it says. It says, for surely... That word surely is the most important part about that whole scripture. For surely, meaning that it can't do it any other way. It's only a matter of time if you just keep going because this is a law. And it's the law that unlocks the blessing as you just hold on. Suffering is only allowed for your good. Amen? So today we're going to talk about a different one. Today there are several more. They're, and they're all of equal importance. For example, there's the principle of mercy. Out of all the principles, out of the 23 that are actively at work in the kingdom of God, this one probably, I would say, is the one I use on a more frequent basis than any other one. The principle of mercy. Because this is the principle. The Bible says to receive mercy, you must what? Give mercy thing about it is this. None of us want what we deserve. The problem is a lot of times we think other people deserve what they deserve. And the problem with that thing in the kingdom is this. If you want somebody to get what they deserve, that simply positions you to get what you deserve. And the principle of the kingdom is this. Who you give mercy to, in return gives you mercy. And I don't know about you, but I need mercy. I screw up all the time. I, I mean, I probably make more mistakes than any person in this church. thing about it is this. I understand mercy, so I try to be a person of mercy. Meaning that even though I need mercy, the antidote for me is to give it. Because the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. The only thing that could stop them is whether or not I'm willing to allow them to flow through me. Now, you've got to understand this. If the mercies of God can flow through me, they flow to me. I'm going to come back to that in just a bit. and It's going to make more sense, but you need to understand. The reason why the kingdom works the way it does is because you are the representative of the kingdom of God on this earth. God's not here no more. Jesus is not here no more. He used to represent the kingdom of God, but He went to the Father. He left you here. And what He does now is the kingdom of God is the work He does on the inside of you. The kingdom of heaven is when that work begins to change your circumstances. Meaning this, God sent you here to be the answer to somebody else's prayers. How did God advance the kingdom? He sent you. How did, God, how did He advance the kingdom? How did He take back what the enemy did in the garden? He sent Jesus. How's He going to save your family? He sent you. How's He going to save the people on your job? He sent you. 
You are an ambassador and a representative of the kingdom of God. Problem is, a lot of us want the kingdom of God to work for us and us not work as a part of the kingdom of God. In kingdom living, you've got to understand, everything in the kingdom exists to bring glory to the king. The idea and premise of a kingdom is this. The better the kingdom, the better the king looks. That is a philosophy of the kingdom. That's why God wants so many good things in your life. Because when your life is better, it gives Him more glory. That's what the Bible says. says We want to turn it another way. That's why they came to Jesus and said, who sinned? This man was born blind at birth. Who sinned? And Jesus said this. It wasn't him. Because how could a baby sin in the womb? He was born blind. So it wasn't his sin. Alright, so then they said, was it his mother and father's? I'd have never met a father that would wish blindness on any child they've had. And I've met some crummy fathers. But I've never met one that wished their child was blind. It's not something they would have wanted. So Jesus said, who did this? Who are they asking you? Whose fault is it? He said, it's nobody's. You're in a fallen world. And the reason why it was allowed to remain this way till now is because God's about to get the glory for turning it around. And that's the way the kingdom works. I love it. Miss Janet got to share with me a while ago. I love watching the kingdom of God at work. Three weeks ago, God spoke to her about quit smoking. And I know that, and I used to smoke. That's a big deal. All right? And she's three weeks without a cigarette. The kingdom of God at work. Now, how did that happen? Did lightning come through the roof and hit Miss Janet and she grew these super muscles? No. The way the blessings of God work, it tells us. Can I read you how? So you got a concept of how God's blessing works when it comes to kingdom? you got to understand this. This is what it says in Exodus 23, verse 30. It says this. Little by little, I will... Let me get my eyes right. I will drive them out before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Today's message is not the principle of mercy. What I, I felt like what I needed to do today was preach on the one that affects the most people before we shut this thing down. And the principle that affects the most people, when I look at the list of 23, I ever say the principle of increase is what would affect most people's lives in here. And I can prove it. How many of you guys have enough money? No. How many of you guys have enough joy? Have enough health? Have enough peace? Have enough love? I mean, the thing about it is, it's an important one. Because, see, you were born with the capacity in the kingdom for the understanding of a word called more. You gotta understand this. In the kingdom, the word more is a understood reality. Meaning God wants you to have more of everything you already have from Him. He you don't is anybody in here got enough of God that they want? They got all of God that they want? Anybody as close to God as you want to be? No, the entire premise of the kingdom is this. There's a desire that God put on the inside of you, says I give you the desires of your heart. That more you desire for, you want more friends, you want more love, you want more money, you want more 
happiness. You want more. This more comes from God. That's why he says, I came to give life. And then he puts a junction in there and says, and more. I love the more. Because that lets me know what God's plan for me in the future is this. He wants me to increase. Everything he designed and made was for me to increase. If you don't understand the understanding or the principle of increase in the kingdom of God, you can be a broke Christian. You can be a sick Christian. You can be the same Christian that you've been for the last five years. That is not God's plan for your life. It is not God's plan for you to be saved, go to heaven, and not live kingdom here on earth. That's why I said when we pray, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to have a good marriage. He wants your kids to be happy. He wants you to be healthy. He wants your finances to be good. He wants you to be able to make a difference in this life with everything that you have. I'm going to be honest with you. Broke, it's hard to do. I've had money. And I've had none. Rich is better. I'm just going to this is rich is better. The reason why rich is better, because I can do more for the kingdom than I could do before. People have a problem with prosperity gospel. I work for probably one of the biggest prosperity gospel ministries in the nation. And what I've learned is this. God don't have a problem with prosperity. He only has a problem if prosperity is your gospel. I have the gospel... And it has prosperity in it, but it's not my gospel. Because if I'm broke, I can still be content. If I'm rich, I can still be content. Paul said, when I had a lot, I was content. When I had a little, I was content. Why? Because he knew he was in kingdom. And the purpose of his life was kingdom purpose. And when you understand that your purpose here is not comfort, but it's kingdom, then you don't have a problem. You won't have a problem understanding that when you go through seasons of suffering or lack or patience, you know it's only a season and it's what the kingdom is using to produce glory. And so when we go through these things, it allows an understanding. But on the other side, too, is when there is an understanding... You can know what to do before you get there. Isn't that nice to know what to do before you get there? So that's what I want to talk about today. The principle of increase. Let me let you know right now that God wants your life to get better. You've got to look at me and understand this. God wants your life better. God wants you to have more. Now, the problem is not you having more. The problem comes in when the more has you. And when we start adding to our lives to a place that begins to take us out of kingdom, but move us into a place of comfort, that's a dangerous place for a believer to be in. Because that's when a believer can find himself in the place of the principle of loss. Which is not a good principle. (laughs) Because you can lose. You say, well, why would God... The Bible says God giveth... And the Lord take it. I'm going to be honest with you. If you've got something in your life that is taking you away from God and not bringing you closer, God will allow circumstances to take it. I'm just being honest with you. That's kingdom principle. He loves you that much. There's a lot of things I have to take from my children. The other day, one of my children were riding their 
scooter out in the yard, and we have a fence line. We tell them you can't go past it. If you do, you're going to lose your scooter. And she lost her scooter. Not because I'm a jerk or mean or a bad dad, but on the other side of that fence is a highway. And when she don't understand that that scooter is for her to enjoy on our property, and the cars going by will not value it the way we do, then when they get outside our property, they're in a different realm. See, God loves you enough to let you stay in His kingdom. And when you get the inkling to want to get into the kingdom other than His, He loves you enough to allow circumstances to bring you back. So glad God loves me enough to allow circumstances to bring me to my knees because He's a good king. All right, so we're talking about the kingdom of increase. Well, let me lay it out for you to show you how Jesus taught about the kingdom of increase. Well, let's read those scriptures real quick, Tanya. I've been talking about them. Bring them up. Let's bring them up. So you can understand I'm not just going off. This is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus taught. He said, first of all, the kingdom of... uh, Go to Matthew 18, I believe it is, where it says, The kingdom of heaven is like... We're just going to read through all those. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. I, I love that about our king, is he wants to settle accounts. He wants to... Get things right, is basically what he said. He said, man, the kingdom of God is like this. you got a king that wants to get things right in your life. Man, where you're owing and where you're lacking and where you're under bondage and what you're tied to, the king wants to fix that for you, is what it says. He said, so the kingdom is like a kingdom where the God wants to fix, or the king wants to fix the issues you're dealing with. All right, so he's telling us what the kingdom of God did. Go to the next one. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. It gives us an idea here again about the kingdom. It says it's like a landowner who goes out and tries to find people that will take care of his land and further the kingdom. The problem is Jesus made a mention. He said, when you pray, pray for laborers. Because my land is white unto harvest. The problem is there's not enough believers... Willing to live kingdom to do the work. That's amazing. And the reason why believers won't do the work is because they don't understand what the benefits of kingdom living is. Go to the next one. It says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Now, who knew the Bible more than anybody? The scribes and Pharisees. To be, to be a Pharisee, you had to know the, by memory, quote, the five, five, first five books of the Bible, by memory, by age 12. And when you got that, they would see, see uh, potential in you. And then they would take you and put you in Pharisee school. And they would, over the next six years, train you the next, memorize the next five books of the Bible by memory. And if you get, get that, you would go into apprenticeship for Pharisees. So no one in history knew the Bible like the Pharisees. They knew the Bible. They lived the Bible. All right, the guy gave them Ten Commandments. At the end of book Levit at the end of Leviticus there were over three hundred and sixty five Levitical laws they had to live by and they lived by them. They didn't pick they didn't work on Sundays and they had all these rules. There was no more better religious people than the Pharisees and the scribes. And the reason why I tell you that is this. You may have been the best church attender you've known in your whole life. You may be able to quote more of the Bible than anyone else you know in your whole life. But look what the Scripture says. But woe to those scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites is what it calls them. For you shut the kingdom of heaven against men. What is he saying? 
Religion is the number one weapon that the enemy uses to shut people out of living kingdom life. And it's a thin line by being disciplined to live this life and you understanding that you are now a king and your life is different. That's what I said. So, and it says, for neither, for you neither, go in yourself. Religious people are not a part of the kingdom of God. You see what it says it real clear. Nor do you allow those who, enter in, who are entering to go in as well. Meaning that the pressure and the effort that, say, a leader puts on for religious acts will keep you from being in. If you believe, religion can get you where you Religion has been the greatest enemy to the kingdom of God since Jesus showed up on the scene. Because religion says this, your actions or your behavior will determine how good God can be to you. And that's not religion. I mean, that's not kingdom. Kingdom is you have a good king regardless whether or not you're a good citizen. That's kingdom. Your behavior doesn't change the character of your king. you got to get this. Because if you don't get this, that would be like your child acting bad and you don't love them anymore. doesn't make any sense. My kids act bad all the time. It's amazing how much I love them more and more every day. You know what I'm saying? But I can't ignore the bad behavior because it will affect their future in life. So we deal with bad behavior, but it doesn't affect the love that I have for them. You can be so you can be the best church attender, best religious person, best Bible quoter, all of that in here. You know, it's like Jennifer, I said it Wednesday night on thing. Jennifer and call me and say, Hey Cricket, feed the dog. And I can be like, That sounds so good, that's awesome. Feed the dog, feed the dog. And everybody I go see, I can go tell them, Jennifer told me to feed the dog. Can you believe that? Did you hear how she said it? The words just rolled off her tongue and it was so nice and beautiful and I can quote it early in the morning and command mountains to feed the dog and they don't. But when Jennifer gets home, if the dog hasn't been fed, it doesn't matter what commandment I knew. What matters is was I willing to obey. And see, there's a lot of believers that can quote the Scriptures from top to bottom, but they don't obey the kingdom. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does that say? It says, Make your main priority God's way of doing things. All right? But the Scripture doesn't stop there, but a lot of us stop quoting there. Because a lot of us have been in church and done religion long enough to know that we need to find out, and it's important, and that we put God's kingdom first. That's why we come to church on Sunday, because it's first of the week. That's why we'll pray before meal. We don't have a problem with any of this stuff. We have a problem with the next part of this scripture, where it says, and His righteousness. What that says is this. Me make priority... And me put energy and effort into finding God's way of dealing with things. Because God, the kingdom of God is the way a rule governs and rules a region. That's, a, that's a, the kingdom of God is the king's rule. So my job is to find out how God, wants, how God says do it. Then that's not enough. It says, and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God. Not forgiven. Right standing with God. So, this is what that scripture says. Is a, 
I need to put energy and effort and time into finding God's way of doing things. And I need to put energy and effort into doing them. You can know them and not do them. The scripture says this all the way through. But this is a kingdom principle. It says, and it's righteous, meaning that I live it. I don't just know it, but I live it. And when I live it, the Bible says, all these things will be added to me. So I don't obey the scripture because it's the rule. I obey the scripture because that's what king kids do. And when I do that, it releases the king to do what the king is to do. And it's to increase your life. This is how it said. This is the principle of kingdom. Your latter shall be greater than your former. This is it. You've got to get this. That means every day in the kingdom, your life should get better. How many guys have been serving God for a year now? How many guys would say your life, if you remember back to where last year was, your life has gotten better in a lot of different ways than it did this time last year? Now, let me ask you this. Did it happen overnight? No. Why? Because the Bible was very clear. It said that this kingdom does it little by little. And they come and they attack it. So, God's, we want fast food everything. We want microwave. But the truth is, the kingdom of God is little by little. Alright? So, all you have to do is understand, this ain't a flash in the pan. This ain't a flight by night event in your life. This is who you are. And from this point on, because you are a king's kid and you're in the kingdom of God, you can expect as you live in the kingdom, your life to get better every single day. That's why everything in the kingdom starts with hope. But when you only find out what the Bible says God does, in other words, if you only do that scripture where it says, the kingdom, uh, seek you first the kingdom of God, if that's all you do, the problem with that is you find out what God's word says, but you don't ever experience what God's Word does because God's Word doesn't work until you start working it. For example, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, the earth was void and without form. Darkness covered the face of the earth. There was darkness, chaos and disorders. What that word actually means, darkness covered the face of the earth. It says, and God said, God's Word was introduced and nothing happened wasn't until God's the Holy Spirit started working through the Word that the light started working. But until God's Word was there, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was there. But there was still darkness. wasn't until the Holy Spirit began to align with the Word of God that situations began to change. Same thing works in your life. You can know all the Scriptures you want to until you align yourself to start working what the Word of God says. You don't see results. This is kingdom principle. Kingdom principle is, if you do the work, you get the promise. It said, this is said like this. So the kingdom principle is sowing and reaping. Sowing means you got a part to do. That's why I said, I am persuaded that He is able. I'm here today trying to persuade you that there's nothing good God can't do in your life. But it says this, to keep that which I have committed unto Him until that day. Meaning that it doesn't happen instantly. But what happens is God continually works on my life day by day. And by the end of my day, my life is going to be everything God said it would be. There's another scripture that says this, that we are 
partakers of His divine nature. Meaning that we have a part to play in what God's nature as King can do. Does this make sense? All right, so the reason why I'm on to, because I'm about to start talking into the area your life can increase. I'm wanting to lay out kingdom concepts so you don't think I'm just preaching money. But I am about to preach money. And I want you to see that this is just a kingdom principle. Kingdom principle is increase. God wants your life to go forward. Be better. As a matter of fact, growing is another way the word increase is used in the Bible. And physically speaking, anything not growing is not healthy. If I took a baby, no matter how beautiful she was, and she didn't grow over a six-month period of time, the doctors would look at her and say, something's wrong. Something's not right. Because what should be naturally taking place is not taking place. So if there's something that's supposed to naturally be taking place, we need to find out what's going on to keep it from happening. And if something is not allowing the Word of God to naturally happen in your life, that means there's a supernatural problem stopping it. All right, we see that in the story of Jonah, I mean Daniel, when Daniel was praying 21 days and there was a supernatural war in the heavenlies that kept him from getting his answer. Does that make sense? So, you've got to understand the principles so you know when the enemy tries to hold things up that it can't go any other way except what the law of the kingdom says. All right? Am I clear on everything? Are you all getting anything out of this? All right, I want to read this here. We're going to start in on the principle of increase. You ready? In Matthew 25, verse 1, it says this, And then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Now, this story here explains real quickly that ignorance is not bliss. You can be ignorant to the fact and still have to pay for it. Does that make sense? Is these, there were ten virgins here. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. He started laying out what kingdom was. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like. Ten people. Five of them are going to be wise and five of them are going to be stupid. Alright, so let's lay out what makes the difference. They were all the same. They were both virgins, meaning, I mean, all of them were disciplined, lived according to the way they were expected to live. Then it said this. It said, and they were all five bridesmaids. I mean, five virgins were waiting on a bridegroom, meaning this, that they had entered into a relationship and now they were engaged or they were... Their future was to be the bride of the bridegroom. Does that make sense? Meaning there's already been promises and commitments and relationship made. So we got these ten people, five of them and five of them. All ten of them have chose to serve the Lord. They all already entered into this relationship. They were already waiting on the bridegroom to come and get them. Okay? Then that's what the Bible says. There were five, though, that understood increase. And instead of just using up what they had... They went and got more. But then there were five that didn't understand an increase. And because they didn't understand it, when the bridegroom came back, they had run out. And the bridegroom did not invite them into the ceremony. Am I, making, am I being clear here? Meaning this. In the kingdom of heaven, he said that. Heaven is like this. Those that don't increase aren't considered to be part of the kingdom. This is how important increase is in your life. Those that don't increase 
aren't considered part of the kingdom in this story. Then let's read in the next in the same chapter, he said, verse 14. He said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered them the goods. He breaks this one down, explaining where the virgins got the oil in the first place. They didn't get it from the store, obviously, because here it says, in the rolling right into the next story about the kingdom, he says that the king, the, the, the owner, gave each servant a certain amount, is what he brings down. So in the first one, there were ten virgins. They were all living, disciplined lives. But there were five that understood that my job is to increase what God has given me. There were five that didn't. They just were going to use what God had given them up. And five of them made it, and five of them didn't. This is kingdom. Then he said this. He said, because this is why. There's some not going to make it, because the kingdom of heaven is like a king that goes away, and he leaves each one of his servants with a gift. He gives them, he calls it a talent here. He gave one three, one two, and one one. The Bible says, with the two that had the one and the three, went out, and they doubled what he had given them says, the one with the one went out into a field and dug a hole and buried it. And when the master come back, this was the conversation. He came back and saw the one he gave three and two and said, Man, you have taken three and turned them to six. You've taken two and turned them to four. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Meaning you're a good citizen to the kingdom of heaven. You have increased your life in the areas that I have put you in. But then the Bible says there was this one that worked harder than everybody else. He actually went out in the field and check it out. He went into the world to try to find a place for his seed to produce increase. He went into the world and dug a hole. I want you to know something. For kingdom kids and people that are called the kingdom, the world does not hold our increase. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. Do you know why we don't have more Christian businessmen owning businesses, more Christian millionaires in our churches? Because we have people that go into the world with shovels trying to find their increase when they're called to do it in the kingdom. I'm just being honest with you. If if the world's got your answer, the world's got your future. But if God's got your answer and the kingdom of God has your future then it can only be what the Word says it is. So he went out and he worked harder than anybody else. He dug a hole and he buried what God had given him in that hole. He put his giftings into world fields. And this is what it says. It says, when the Lord came back, this is what he said. Now listen to the belief system that the guy had. He said, when he came back, he asked him, where are yours? And he said, I knew you were a hard man. All right, this starts right off telling me this. He didn't understand who his king was. There's never been one place in the Word of God that ever said God's a hard man. Never. This guy built up this philosophy by experiences and circumstances he'd been through. Everybody else in his life had let him down, so he's expecting this one to let him down too. Every man had broken her heart, so she expects God to break her heart too. Or you got to decide. Your mind's got to change if you're going to get kingdom. All right? God is not a man. You can't compare him to anything you've ever been through. Then it said that he's a king. Then it said this. He says, I knew you were a hard man. And I know that you reap from fields that you don't sow in. All right? This is the truth. That's a lie. 
The Bible in the kingdom of God, the principle says, as long as the sun rises, this law will be in effect, sowing and reaping. Meaning that every day the sun comes up, the law of sowing and reaping is at work in your life as a kingdom principle, whether you're saved or you're not saved. So in a re- uh, you can be unsaved and go plant a seed, and you can be saved and go plant a seed, and both seeds can grow. And it all depends, check this out, on where you plant the seed. You plant an apple seed in Alaska, chances are it's not going to grow. You go put what God has given you in the world and try to make it work for you in the world, and it's not going to grow. That's what the dude did. And this is what he said, though. He said that... I know you reap from, and the belief system was, no, you're, you're not, everything you just said goes against kingdom principle. Kingdom principle is sow and reap. So your experiences and what you have taught yourself to believe about God, I'm here to tell you, if it didn't come from the scripture, it's wrong. Okay. Okay. You've got to know this. If it didn't come from the scripture, and it's what's affecting your life. That man did not increase because he had wrong beliefs about his king. He had wrong beliefs about the field. He had wrong beliefs about the seed. He thought that the seed was what, gonna, was what was going to make him what he was when he didn't realize him being a servant of the king or a servant of the master, he already was. And God left him there to make a difference in the world with his seed, not the seed make a difference in his life. Am I being clear with you? A lot of Christians keep trying to serve the Lord because of what God can do for them. I'm going to be honest with you. It don't work that way. And this is what it says. It says they buried it, don't play it. And the, this is what the king said when he returned. He said, Master, he says, depart from me. And he called him two things. Wicked. That doesn't sound wicked. Let me let you know something. God looks at anything that believes a lie about him is wicked. Any area of my life that I'm believing wrong about God, God sees it as sin. And so they were wicked, and then he called them lazy. But he worked harder than anybody else. But he worked harder for the wrong kingdom. So what did he do for the kingdom of God? Nothing. You can spend your life so busy and working so hard for the wrong kingdom, not understanding, and get nothing out of it. And this guy, the Bible says, he said, depart from me, wicked and lazy. So let's say, you've got to understand increase. God expects your life to increase. God judges your life when you don't increase. Because He gave you everything you need to increase. From the very beginning, what did He tell Adam and Eve? Subdue and multiply. What's another way to say increase? The best way to understand increase in a, the kingdom of God is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read it and then we're done. You ready? If you don't understand this, you won't understand anything when it comes to money. This scripture was put in there for believers and kingdom kids to understand what and how to make God's kingdom work for you. And it says this. Go ahead put it up there. It says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. Now this has been quoted so many times about just giving and doing, but this is not really what that's about. This scripture basically explains what money is in the kingdom of God. And he says this, he said, he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. This scripture is talking about two things right here. One is talking about seed and it's talking about bread. Let me break down the two differences as quick as I can. One, seed is what you need to live tomorrow. Bread is what you need to live for today. Your bread is what you eat for now. 
It says, it's a plus eight. Having sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness. Go to the next one. While you were enriched in everything for all liberty, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God wants you to increase and be enriched in every part of your life. He wants you full of joy, full of love, full of peace, full of money, full of rest, full of health. He wants you full of all that. Why? Because it causes people to give thanks to God. In other words, it causes God to receive glory. You need to understand that. So what he said was this. In every area of your life that you have received increase in, whether it be financial, whether it be time, whatever it be, be, there are two things involved in your increase. There is seed and there is bread. Without understanding this, you can eat all your seed or you can save all your bread. Both are equally wrong. You eat all your seed, there's no future. You save all your bread, you have a miserable life now. So what you have to do is you've got to understand, God said this. He said that, I'm going to give you seed and bread. You need to understand what I gave you is seed and bread. The reason why I gave you bread is because I'm a good king and I take care of your needs. The reason why I gave you seed is because I'm a good king and I want you to have a good future. And that's what seed says, is that tomorrow your needs are going to be met too. And so when you put kingdom thinking into our understanding is this. Man, when I go to work on Monday and I get my check on Friday, what I get in that check is not all bread. We're not to take it and consume it upon ourselves, all of it. Now, a lot of it, you can. But God said 10% of that is tithe. This is the secret, and we're going to do it in three minutes. The secret to increase in your life, and it works physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. All of these things. But we're going to talk about it in the area of money because it's easier to measure. It's hard to measure joy. It's hard to measure peace. It's hard to measure health. But I can measure money. Okay? So I'm going to talk about it in the area of money. But it's actually the principle of increase. If I want to increase, God has created a way in the kingdom for me to do it. But I have to do it for me to experience it. There are four ways... That you are to experience increase in the kingdom of God, and it's through your giving. It's an oxymoron. You want more love? What do you got to do? You got to give more love. You want more peace? What do you got to do? If I want more peace at my house, and Jennifer comes in and pops off, I might have to bite my tongue to get what I want. But the Bible says, blessed is the peacemaker. All right, and I'm going to get what I want by buying my wine. That's a kingdom principle. All right, this is a kingdom principle. Sowing and reaping. And God has made this, and it's an oxymoron. An oxymoron are two words that don't go together. For example, jumbo shrimp. Real big, little. That don't make no sense. All right? But living sacrifice. Living dead. Don't make no sense. All right, this is an oxymoron. Give... And it shall be given. Don't make no sense. Don't make no sense because you mean when I let something go in the kingdom, it's going to come back to me? Not just come back to you. Press down, shake together and run it over. That's what it said. You've got to understand in kingdom, anything you release never leaves your life. 
It's only a matter of time before it comes back. And full harvest is what the Bible calls it. So when it comes to kingdom increase, and i got to be honest, I want every person in this church to be rich. I want every person to be rich. You say, Cricket, is it about being rich? No. But do you know what rich people can do? Rich people, the Bible says, when it comes to kingdom, if I'm going down the road and I find a guy that's been jumped on and attacked by robbers and he's left broken and bleedy and on the side of the road, the Bible says that, as a believer, as a Christian in the kingdom, because it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that goes on a journey, I should be able to reach into my pocket and pull out what God has blessed me with and help someone else. Why does God need increase? Because if you don't got nothing to give, you don't got nothing to give. And the truth is, there are some people that are hungry, that need something to eat. And God sent you here to be the one to feed them. Do you, know, do you think it was accident there was a boy there that day when there were 5,000 and he had brought a packed lunch? No, God had ordained that situation. And I'm so thankful that this kid understood that if I give what I have to God, God will take it and accomplish kingdom work. Now, you understand why this miracle was so important. It's mentioned in all four Gospels. And it was the miracle that when the disciples got in the storm and got afraid, Jesus said, why don't you believe? Don't you remember I just fed? That was the miracle that says God is a God of more than enough. God is a God. Of, your God is a God of more than enough. He had 12 baskets left over after everything was met. You having just enough in your bank account to pay your needs is selfish. You're being a selfish believer. Because God put you here to be a kingdom kid to help other people that don't know who He is and can change their life. problem is if you're broke, you can't do it. You can't do it if you're broke. So why is it that you need to increase so that the glory of God can be seen? All right. So how do you increase? Four ways in the Bible does the Bible say that you give. Number one is the tithe. And the Bible doesn't say you give it. That's wrong terminology. In the kingdom it says bring the tithes. How many of you guys brought your tithes? All right. See the word you're there? That word does not exist. When it talks about tithe. Because right, right. the Bible, the kingdom principle is this. 10% of everything that you have Amen. is considered tithe. Amen. And the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's, not yours. So, say this. Say that I need to pay Chet Wade for doing some work for me. And I give it to him in a box that has the whole check. Like, I do this all the time. When a company pays me, I take the check. And I have guys ask them to run up to the bank and cash it for me and bring me back. And when they bring me the money back, I give them what they worked for, but the rest of it is not what they worked for. That was my work. I did the bidding. I did the contract. I did, you know, that's my money. All right, so they didn't give me my money. They brought me my money because they worked for theirs. Does that make sense? In the kingdom of God, your tithe, the tithe that you own, 10% of everything you increase you have is not yours. That's God's. And... If you don't bring it back to Him, the Bible says you're a robber. That's a bad word. That's not a good word. Because thief means that you stole it. And that carries a certain amount of law in the laws of our land. There's certain punishment that if you steal, you're a thief. But a robber is different. A robber gets more penalties. Why? Because a thief is, if you, while you're here at church and I go break in your garage and steal something out of your garage, that's considered theft. If you were asleep in your bed and I did the same thing, 
that's considered robbery. The penalty for robbery is lots greater than the penalty for theft. Go to a court of law. What does that say? And that's saying this. All right, when you don't bring the tithe to the church and you come to church, then what's happening is the presence of God is here and you're here too. And when you don't do it, you're not stealing. You're robbing. And there's a different penalty. I'm being clear with you on that. I'm, I want, I'm, y'all may not like this one, but I'm off of it this way. So when it comes to tithe, God laid out the principle of increase in the area of tithes. He said this, bring 10% to the storehouse. Where do you bring your tithe? You bring it to the church. They bring it to your church. Not to your televangelist. Not to the missionary you support. To your church. Why? Because it says, so that there may be meat in my house. Meaning that God's expecting you as a kingdom kid to support His effort as the kingdom church. I'm just being honest with you. Does He need it? No. But He's given you an opportunity to participate in it. Like He said, I am a partaker in His divine nature. What is His nature? To bless you. And when you bring your tithe, it says He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that your story... His windows are bigger than your house. That's what it says there. And the blessings He wants to give you is that He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. In other words, the devil don't have a right to attack. And it will open blessings that you can't contain. So one way of increase for a believer is through the tithe. When I bring his tithe back, he rewards me being a faithful citizen of his kingdom. Kind of works like this. And if you look in Webster's Dictionary, they put tithe along with tax. And I don't like the way they do that. But this is the truth. As an American... The law is I pay my tax. If I pay my tax, the police, the fire department, the military, and all government agencies are to work for my behalf. If I don't pay my tax, they work against me. And if I keep not working it, they're eventually going to come arrest me and take me to jail. Why? Because it is considered citizenship to bring my tax. It's considered ownership for you to bring your tithe. Do you belong to God? If you do, 10% belongs to Him. Alright, so tithe is one, but there's three other ways of giving in the church. You've got to understand these so you can get increased. I can tell you, these work. I'm not poor no more. There's tithing. Then there's what the Bible calls, there's the seed. Now, seed is different than tithe. 10% of your money is not tithe. That is God's. Alright, you don't even start till you're there. But then when you're there, anything you give over and above 10% is considered seed. What is seed? Seed is what you put in the ground to produce more of what you planted. Amen? So when you plant a seed, you're doing it to reap harvest. The Bible says 30, 60, and 100 fold. When you plant a seed, you reap. Now, the thing about seeds is this. Generosity is a part of the kingdom of God too but when it comes to planting seeds not every ground is the same the Bible tells the story when he says and a sower went out and some seed and four fell on the ground some fell on hard meaning this that when it comes to me planting seeds I need to be led by the spirit on where to plant it because you can plant I'm being honest with you I can plant seeds in the wrong place and not grow a harvest and think there's something wrong with the the seed when there was really something wrong with the ground If you go plant a palm tree in Alaska, it don't grow. 
So you say, Cricket, well, how am I supposed to go in this area? Well, you've got to be led by the Spirit. This is what Jesus said. It's important. You've got to understand that Jesus said this. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. That's what he told Peter. Then three years later, he said, listen, I've got to go away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Because if we're to follow Jesus and it, he makes us, what do we do when Jesus ain't here no more? Jesus said this, but don't worry, I'm going to send another. That word another is very important. Very important because of this. In the New Testament, there are two words for another. The first one means, give me another that's different. Meaning, like if I'm working on a car and I say, hey man, hand me another wrench. It's because that one's the wrong size. Does that make sense? So give me another one that's similar but different. Alright? Then there's a give me another just like. Meaning if I'm, and I do construction, my mind always goes to construction. If I'm pulling, and if you're a construction guy, you've done this. Trying to pull a board off of a that's been nailed on, and you say, hey man, hand me another hammer. You're not asking for a different hammer. You're asking for one, another one just like it because you can put both of them in there and pry against each other and that board will pop off. Does that make sense? So there, he said, said don't worry because I'm going to send you another. That another he meant there, used there in the New Testament is a word meaning another exactly like. You need to understand this is important because when Jesus left, he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he's going to be another one just like me. And you can trust Him. You can count on Him. And if you will let Him lead you, He will lead you into the same things that I led the disciples into. So when it comes to see, you have to rely on and count on and be led by the Holy Spirit. I plant seeds all the time. I give gifts that are generous all the time. But when I go into seed mode because I want increase, it's serious where I plant my seed. I have to do it according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That being said, I'll be sitting in a service and the Lord will say, Man, you need to plant $500. Well, if I don't know the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I don't trust the Holy, voice of the Holy Spirit, and if I give much time in between when He said it to me and in the future, I will talk myself out of it. And I will talk myself out of thinking that the Holy Spirit really didn't tell me to do that. The Holy Spirit really wouldn't want me to do that. When the whole time, you've got to understand the nature of the Holy Spirit is wanting you to be blessed. And He would only tell you to plant if it's, not, if it's going to involve a harvest. Next thing you need to know about seeds, though, is this. There's always time involved before you reap your harvest. The minute you put a seed in the ground, you don't pick tomatoes. There's always a season change that has to take place. The thing about it is if you don't keep a seed in the ground, you'll get to your next season and won't have a harvest. So, tithing is where it starts. Seed is the next step that I can use to go forward. In 30, 60, and 100 folds, what it says. The ground will yield, will depend on the yield. Then there is alms. Everybody say alms. This is where a lot of people miss increase in their life because they don't understand what alms is. Alms in the Bible is mentioned as when somebody has a need and you meet it. In other words, you're hungry and I feed you. Your, your, your electric bill needs... The church, you understand, the church helps people in the area of alms every month. We have a, a department called our missions department. We help pay bills and light bills. But we know this. We don't do that as a church to go forward. The Bible says when you meet the need of someone else, that's an alm. And in Proverbs it says this. When you take care of the poor, God will repay you what you gave. Meaning this. Alms don't take you forward. Alms, the promise is to break you even. But the thing about it is, God said this, that we are, when you see someone, 
without a coat, you're to give them your coat. When you see someone without a drink, you're to give them a drink. When you see poor, you're supposed to give to it because it says when you do it, you're doing it to me. Alms are just as important as every other area of giving in your life. God takes it, listen what he says, personal. When he, you help somebody that's in need, God takes it personal. And he will repay you everything you get. Then there's the last one called offerings. Now, offerings, well, there's a fifth one a lot of people, but I'm not going to tell It's called vows. And I'll talk about that. But offering is this. Offering is something that when God blesses me, I want to bless him back. Because you understand, we're the only creatures on the planet that can. Nothing else blesses God back for being God. But when God blesses me for me to bring something back and say, thank you for the blessings you gave. That's considered an offering. And when you give offerings to the Lord, it's like this. When my kids give me something, Isla will go to school and make things in class. And Jennifer's aggravated at it right now because everything she makes has me and daddy in it and not me and mama. <laughs> so the other day she brought the thing, me and her play, and she drawn the same me and play. And Jennifer's like, Where, where's mama? She drew mama sitting over in the corner with the frown. And I said, that's mama. Good job, girl. My mom, every time she could bring one of these things home, she brings it home specifically for me to put on the refrigerator. And every time I put one on there, oh my gosh, what it does to me. Makes me want to be sweet and kind and bless that kid every single day. Because it lets me know when she's not with me, she's still thinking about me. When she's not with me, she... And see, when you give God an offering, it means I just want to offer this up to you because you are so good to me. Well, God sees that and it opens the door in your life for the goodness of God. Now, I used to work for a televangelist and he was a, he was a uh, big money guy. And i got to be honest with you, for the first couple of years, my thinking was wrong. I would go to services with him, and he's worth $150 million. He's a rich dude. He's got private jets and everything. And he would take up offerings, and I'd walk out of there saying, them people are just giving to get. And then I realized, that's true. Why do I plant a seed? To reap a harvest. Why do I go through the trouble? And God don't mind you giving to get. The reason being, He laid these laws into motion. So he don't mind you getting blessed. Matter of fact, his heart is for you to be blessed. He also knows the only way you're going to be blessed is by obedience, not sacrifice. Obedience is what opens the door to increase. I don't care if you walk in here with a $5,000 check as an offering tomorrow and you didn't pay your tithes. It didn't work. I'm just going to be honest with you. It didn't work. Why does it the kingdom principles not work? Because you don't get to do it your way. you got to do it the king's way. And I have never one time, I'm telling you guys, and you can put me to the test, I've never not one time seen somebody say, I'm going to do financially the way God says do it, and their life not completely turned. Now, you pay your tithes your first time, let me be warning you, the devil's going to come, you're probably going to get more bills in the mail the next week than you've ever gotten before. Just the way the devil's going to work, if he can discourage you. The thing about it is, consistency to God's plan is what allows blessings to enter in, little by little, until you possess it all. Seven years ago, I was a little over $80,000 in debt. Seven years ago, honestly. I'm standing here today, seven years later, and y'all didn't give me a raise. But I have over, I'm right at about 200000 in the bank. I have investments all over. I am financially 
solid and stable. Our bills are paid in just seven years. You say, Cricket, how can that be? I cannot tell you because it's not on my W-2. But I can tell you this. It is in the Word of God. And it is part of the kingdom. Increase, 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 increase. And when you understand principles of the Bible and you participate, be a, you get to be a partaker. You know what that word partaker means? You get to be involved, but you also get to walk away with something. This is the most important lesson financially I've ever learned. Can I, you give me three minutes and I'll tell it to you? And you can walk out and try this. Take it to the bank. Do it this week. I did it the first time. It was the first time I ever moved to a place where I had $10,000 in the bank. The Bible says in Genesis that the Lord determined, predestined, and prophesied that there's going to be seven years of lack and seven years of plenty. Y'all remember this story? Everything God does is for purpose. So the seven years of lack, I mean seven years of plenty, Joseph was wise enough to store it. He didn't eat all his seed. They ate bread and they stored seed. But the Bible says after the seven years of plenty, when they had more enough, they found themselves in seven years of lack. It says in the first year of famine, it says that everybody in the world ran out of food. You can read it. It's in Genesis 32. And it says, and they came to Jesus, I mean, came to Joseph and said, we have no food. Please sell us grain so that we may live. The Bible says, and it says in the King James, you need to look it up and read it. It says, and he sold them grain until he had all the money in the world. That's exactly what the King James says. He had all the money in the world. The next year, the Bible says, next year in famine, they left and they came back. And they said, you took all the money. Will you take our livestock and our land in exchange for grain? And it says, Joseph said, yes. He took their livestock and the deed to their land. And he gave them grain. It says they went away for a year. Third year of famine. It says they came back and said, we don't have money. We don't have land. All we have is our lives. It said, take our lives and keep us alive. And this is what the Bible says. Joseph looked at him and said, go back to your land and work it. Now, you got to understand, this was the same land that did not produce harvest for three years. Could not even feed one family for three years. He aligned it with kingdom. Joseph was in representation of the kingdom. He began to do what they, the kingdom told him to do. And land that could not produce a harvest three years before... In the middle of famine, still four more years of famine to go, says it produced five times the amount, and they got to keep one-fifth. They just had to bring four-fifths back to Joseph. Why did land that couldn't grow start producing a harvest that was enough now five times more than they needed? It was because they connected their self and their resources and their energy to the purposes of the kingdom of God. Now you got to understand this. He said you get to keep four-fifths. All I need is the one-fifth. When I saw that, it knocked the wind out of me. I thought, wait a minute. God let him keep four times what God needed. You would think God would need the four and they keep the one, but that's not the king. Your king's very generous. He don't mind your life being blessed if He can trust you with the first one-fifth. And this is what the Bible says. 
I tried. I, it's right when I was starting this church. And we didn't have a job and there wasn't a salary. And so we, through Divine and God gave us a business model and a plan. We opened up a deer processing place. And what we did was, we went, but the first day we unlocked the door. I went in and we sat down and I wrote a, a $2,000 check to a ministry. And I called him and said, listen, I'm about to mail you a check. I need you to hold it. I don't have it. I spent all my money starting this thing. But I want the first $2,000 come in to support your ministry. I said, but don't cash. It's hot. I'm telling you. They said, okay. Wasn't two days later. Mallory's husband was there with me the day it happened. We were in there working and Jennifer busting the door with this look on her face like I'm in trouble. And I thought, oh, Lord, Jennifer, because I need to talk to you. So, okay, so we walked back to the office. She pulled out an envelope, laid on this, and there was a check for $10,000. A guy in Florida, and he had to do it three days before, put it in the mail and mailed it and said, the Lord told me to give this to you. What's one-fifth of 10000 Two. I called that ministry and said, cash it. God supplied. Now, I was able to give them there too. But God let me keep my eight. Do you know what that eight did? That eight completely paid my company debt off. So every dollar we made that year was profit. What was it that made it? It was me saying that I'm going to put the kingdom of God and its responsibilities on my shoulders. And that I'm going to be the one that God can use to support it. And I'm going to take it as serious as I can. Because you've got to understand, if God's going to support anything, He's going to support His Word going forward. And when I line myself up in the area of finances with the purpose of the kingdom, God will flow through you to get His will done. And He don't mind you keeping four-fifths of it so your life can be blessed as well. We never saw them guys come back and ask for food again. Why? Because their lives became connected to the furthering of the kingdom. I have learned this personally. If I will take the responsibility of ministries on my shoulders, that if I don't mail my check, they don't do their their work, then God makes sure that the check comes through me. Does that make sense? It's those that don't want to write the check are the ones that God can't bless. I'm being honest with you. Is when you align yourself in the kingdom, money's not a problem to God. I'm just going to be honest with you. Jesus had to pay a bill and he told his fishermen. It's not by chance he told Peter. Why didn't he tell John? Because John wasn't as good a fisherman as Peter. Because right? every time we mention fishing, it's Peter was the star, right? So when Jesus had a bill to pay his taxes, he said, Peter, go catch a fish. God will use your ability for his kingdom. But what you got to understand is this. He didn't leave Peter out. He paid Peter's taxes too. Because it said it paid all their taxes. You understand? When you use your ability for God's kingdom, God in return makes it your kingdom his priority. That's why have you ever heard it? You build God's house, he'll build yours. That spiritual principle that came out of the Old Testament. Solomon built God's house first. And God built him a house twice as big as the, as the temple of God. I wish you could get this. Because if you get this, you will understand that you can't give or plant enough in the kingdom to go in the negative. Things might be tight for a season, but it ain't got nothing to do with your money. If things get tight, what they have to do is is with your faith. God sometimes will bless you with your heart's desire and then see that the desire doesn't have your heart. That's what happened with Abraham. Abraham, There's some people that God blesses with nice houses, cars, boats, and all that. 
And then it's such nice stuff. They have to work on Sunday to keep it up. And so they never get to come back and honor God for what He's done. Does it matter that you come back to God? Absolutely. There were ten people that He healed. The one that came back got more than His healing. He got His wholeness back. When He came back and said, Thank you. The Bible says God made him whole. The other guys still were missing noses and fingers and toes. It was the one that came back and did it the way the kingdom said to do it. God made him whole. He says. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm rich. I, I mean, I, I don't know about I grew up poor. $200,000 is a lot of money to me. That's, I'm telling you, I, 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 feel, I keep telling Jennifer, I feel like I need to retire. I got $200,000 on But it's because I, I grew up without money. I, we're believing God. That at retirement, we're gonna, we have a number set. We're gonna believe in God for eight million dollars. With eight million dollars, I can fund eight churches till I die. That's what we're believing. And when I get retirement age, that's what it'll be. Why? Because I've just decided that my life, if I'm here and I'm a part of the kingdom, I'm gonna live it for the kingdom. And if I make it the most important, He will add everything else I need to me. When you quit worrying about your increase and you start worrying about His increase, you don't come to church without bringing a loss. You don't, you know, go to the store without asking somebody. But when you make the kingdom your number one priority, you're going to see you ain't going to have to work for nothing in your life. It's added to you. You become a magnet. Yeah, I watch. How many of you guys have ever heard? I know I'm already. How many of you guys have ever heard the movie of The Secret? You've heard The Secret? I watched it last week. I've heard so much about the movie The Secret that, you know, it took the world by storm. And The Secret is simply a movie about the law of attraction. Have you ever heard that? In other words, whatever you send out into the universe will come back to you. That's not true. That's not true. That's a, the, real, the, the truth of that is that the law of attraction is this. You don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. Get this. You don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. If you're a complainer, what runs around with you? Right. If you're negative, what runs around with you? You attract what you are. So when you understand what you are as a king's kid, you'll start attracting kingdom principles. It's when you keep thinking you're a red-headed stepchild and you're having to believe God to give you everything so you got to beg for it, you live a pauper's lifestyle when you were called to be a king the whole time. Amen? You're a king's kid. Can I pray over you real quick? I don't. Today I knew I came in teaching. But the reason why I wanted to teach this to you is because I'm telling you, most people I know live life at a deficit instead of a positive. And it's not because God doesn't love you. God doesn't have a plan for you. But you don't understand what you're called to be a part of. And when you understand kingdom, you under- have you ever met a poor king? I never have. Never met a poor king. I've met a king before. But I've never met a poor one. The reason being, because I don't think they exist. Because just being a king gives you inalienable rights of a region and a plan. You being a king said you are called to rule and reign. You need to understand your rights. Don't let the devil take them and you be a partaker. In other words, you play your part and you get to take something home of his divine nature. Amen. Father God, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, I knew this was going to be a weird teaching message. But God, I ask you to take your word and imprint it on their hearts. God, I ask you to make every person in this church a trophy child. One that becomes as Job. They're so blessed in every way that God brags to the devil about them. 
And that when the enemy tries to come in and harm, they find out that the wealth doesn't have them, but they have the wealth. And they can be content when they're in the middle of a trial and when they're not. But thank you for your kingdom principles, Lord, that if we use the key, the doors will open. And in the area of increase, us giving, and us giving the way you said it, is a door that you can bring increase back into our lives, meet our needs, and us be a blessing for those around us. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to make a difference. I thank you that we are the ones that you sent to be the answer to others that are in the world's problem. And as we represent you to a fallen world, I thank you that your kingdom, that it comes, and that your will will be done, and that every life that sees the glory of God on ours will be transformed forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me just ask you a question out of poet. Did you get something out of kingdom? Yes. Did you get that, man? This is, this is different. It's huge in me. You say, well, Cricket, I didn't get anything out of it. I'll go back to preaching different messages later. But this one, I'm telling you, has transformed my life at a point. Well, I don't walk the same, talk the same. And if you talk to me a little bit disrespectful, I might remind you who you're talking to. Because I'm a king's kid. I have to, have to do that with Jennifer all the time. You must not remember who you're talking to. I'm the king in this castle, all right? But um, no, God bless you. Listen, you were born to reign. Don't let the enemy convince you any other. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace.